The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. God's favorite house, praise the Lord. So today we are in part four of our series, Choose Your Future. Choose your future. And today we are wrapping um, the whole series up, landing pretty much where we began by looking at the concept of the options of the future that is ahead of us this decade. This is the decade of destiny. It's the decade of light. Once the light comes on, we see our options. We learned that in January. Light gives options. Once the options are clear, we now need to choose our future. Today we are going to also now wrap it up with the concept of doors. Because behind these doors, you will experience other multiple doors that you have to walk through. Doors are a consistent concept in scripture. In fact, doors are mentioned about 400 times in, in the Bible. Sometimes God shuts doors. Sometimes God opens doors. Doors are to be understood. If you are to thrive spiritually, you must know how doors function. And many times we walk through doors in life, we don't even know we have walked through a door. God opens a door before us. We walk through the door, we don't know we have walked through a door. And because we don't know we've walked through the door, we can't say thank you to God because, hey, nothing just happened. Because we don't know that God has just opened a major door for us. Even physically, I want to do an exercise. Count. How many doors do you have in your house? Count. Try and count. Give me a number, quickly. How many doors do you have in your house? Nine? Five? Eight? So basically, a, a door can be an entrance and a door can actually be an exit. A door can represent acceptance and a door can represent rejection. In the Bible, there are several implications of doors for the different things in our lives. We have the entrance door of salvation. We have the passage door of discipleship. We have the service door of ministry. We have the outside door of missions. We have the access door of prayer. We have the only door of worship. And the word of God is also a door, is a mirror door. We have a mirror door of, of the word. So the word of God is filled with doors. Revelation 3, 7 to 8, the word of God says that, this is Jesus speaking. He says, I have the key of David. The door I lock, nobody can open. I pray that every door of disaster will be shut against you in the name of Jesus. Every door of disappointment will be shut against you in the name of Jesus. Every door of death will be shut against you in the name of Jesus. No matter how hard you try to open the door of disaster, it will not open to you in the mighty name of Jesus. The door of progress will be open to you. The door of promotion will be open to you. 
the door of provision will be open to you in the mighty name of Jesus. And he says, now I know everything you have done. So look, I am placing before you an open door. Many people have been struggling in the name of Jesus. You are going to experience an open door from heaven beginning from today in Jesus' name. And it's a peculiar door. It's a door no one can shut. Not your uncle, not your sister, not your brother, not your parent, not your auntie, not the government. No one can shut if Jesus, the King of Kings, opens the door for you. He says, I know that you are not very strong. You know, this is one of, I mean, um, the, the scriptures that, you know, you may trust you that God has really used to bless me tremendously. He says, I know you are not very strong, but you've kept my word and you've been faithful. And this is what is called the door of opportunity. I pray in the name of Jesus that the doors of opportunity will be open to you. Say amen. amen. In the mighty name of Jesus. You see, he's saying that if you look at that scripture, it says, you are not that strong spiritually, but at least you have stayed with me. Jesus is saying, Femi, I know you are not that strong spiritually, but you have stayed with me. You are here. You are still showing up. You haven't denied me. So I'm going to open a door for you, Femi. I'm going to open a door for you, God's favorite house, in the mighty name of Jesus. And this has happened to me many, many, many times in my life where God opens a door or opens doors to me that I would never have been able to open by myself. And I, I, sometimes I pinch myself and I'm wondering, I'm amazed. I'm like, is it me? Am I here? Do I get to do this? You mean I, I get to be here? I can tell you doors and doors that God has opened for us as a church. As a church that we could, I, could, I mean, we could never have opened for, for, for ourselves. I shared the testimony of the church in Costa Rica, how God opened a door for them. I mean, there was no way they could have opened it by themselves. The, the church, the gospel house in Canada, shared a similar testimony of, of a council member that worships at church and is opening an amazing door. God is using to open an amazing door for the church. And it is unbelievable what God is doing. We're going to look at a couple of things you need to know about doors. Then we'll look at a few things that you need to do to have the best life that God has for you. So a couple of things you need to know about doors. Number one is this. Doors are metaphors for the choices we make in our everyday lives. Every door is a decision. Choosing your future. This whole series is about telling you that your choices, not your circumstances, determines your destiny. Your decisions determine your destiny. You could call it DDD. If you want to sum it up, you could say something like this, that greatness is not due to great talent. Greatness is due to great choices. There are certain doors that you walk through that you shouldn't have walked through. There are some doors that you should have just walked past. There are other doors that you want to walk through that you can't walk through. And there are still some other doors that are not worth 
worth walking through. But every time you see a door, every time you see a door, you've got to make a decision. Will I go through it or not? Take the handle and open this door or not? So that's the first thing. Every door is a decision. Number two, my destiny will be shaped by which doors I walk past and which doors I walk through. You see, there are certain doors that once you see the doors, you just, you say, jump and pass, as they say. You just look the door and you pass. You don't need to open the door. Now, true confession, how many of us have walked through a door that we thought was the right door, but in retrospect, we saw it was the wrong door. Put up your hand. How many of us? How many of you? Okay, yeah, a lot of hands. If your hands are not up, well, simply means you're a liar, a big fat liar. Okay, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15. Deuteronomy 30, 15. Now this is God speaking. He says, today I am giving you a choice. You can choose life and success or death and disaster. There are some doors you walk through and it takes years for you to recover. I pray that you don't walk through such doors in Jesus' name. I am giving you a choice, Deuteronomy 30, 15 says. There are certain choices you make that will burn your time, burn your energy, burn your money, burn your efforts, give no results. So how do you know? Because we can't see what's behind the door. So how do you know the door to open? How do you know? You don't get to express the person you get married to before you decide to get married to the person. So how do you know, even if you decide to live together in the same place, a cohabit, you never really get to know how the person will behave as a married man or as a married woman. You never know. <laughs> so how do you know? How do you know the job you are on, you're going to take, you have options. How do you know the one to take? Because until you start the job, you never know if it's going to be hell. How do you know? You know by a word called discernment. I pray in the name of Jesus that God will fill you with the spirit of discernment in the mighty name of Jesus. If there's one thing that I'm grateful to the God of heaven for, is the grace to be filled with discernment. I'm totally grateful to God for it. I acknowledge it in my life, and I'm grateful to God for it. To look at options, I know this is the right one. How do you know? I don't know. I mean, it's I discern. I can discern by the Spirit of God that this is the right door, and I open the door, and it's the right door. The more discerning you are, the more right doors you open. Discernment it's indispensable, I mean, in life, in relationships. How do you know the person to go out with? How do you know the right person to get married to? Discernment. You run a business. How do you know the people to, to hire? Discernment. How do you know where to place people? Discernment. Discerning. 
what is behind the door is crucial. You know? And someone said, oh, pastor, I've had a series of, you know, bad relationships. One bad relationship after the other, after the other, after the other. And, you know, one of the things I say is, let's look at all those relationships and let's look at the common denominator. What's the common denominator in all the bad relationships? It's you. <laughs> it's not the person or the people because they are different people. It's you. So you need to open your heart to God to teach you and empower you how to make the right choices, how to discern. In God's very house, the ministers, the pastors, the classes, the leaders, we are here to teach, to empower you and equip you on how to discern between what doors to open, what doors not to open. Number three, what we need to know about doors is that a door may be three things. Number one, a door may be actually an opportunity from God. First Corinthians 16 verse 9. Paul says, a huge door of opportunity for good work has opened up air for me. And the second leg of that um, verse says, and there are many oppositions. A classic equation would be to say opportunity plus opposition equals God's will. Many times when we see an opportunity, a door of opportunity from God, and we, and we walk into it, then we experience opposition. Many people have come and said, oh, but I thought this was God's will. Pastor, I thought, I thought, I said, listen, God's will attracts opposition. The fact that you are seeing opposition doesn't mean it's not God's will. Opportunity plus opposition equals what? I can't hear you. Equals God's will. <laughs> a door, apart from being an opportunity from God, a door can actually be a distraction from others. Discernment is needed because not every door is an opportunity from God. You see, God has a plan for your life and so does everybody else. Think about it. Have you had times when men have opened doors of distraction to you? A classic example is Nehemiah. Nehemiah was doing well, even in captivity by every standard. Nehemiah was in the palace attending to the king. He eats what the king eats, even before the king eats it. He tastes what the king is to drink, even before the king drinks it. He had a good life, but Nehemiah had a burden for his people. And he started by praying, and praying, and praying. And after a while, the king saw his countenance, and the king said to Nehemiah, what are you looking so sad, by the way, Nehemiah's role, if you come to the king's palace with a sad countenance, they can cut off your head. You must always be cheerful. But Nehemiah was so burdened that he was down. And the king said, come here, instead of cutting off his head. He says, what's the problem? I pray that God will show you favor in Jesus' name. 
You know, and Nehemiah says, oh God, I'm, I'm sad. Jerusalem is broken down. My village, there's no, there are no walls. People are just coming in and out. And the king asked Nehemiah a question. The king said to Nehemiah, what do you need? What, every time you see, I consider that scripture, it always blows my mind. Every time, he says, what do you need? And asking Nehemiah what he needs, Nehemiah didn't say, oh, wait, I am coming. Let me go and calculate. Uh, okay, we need two bags of cement. We need, no, 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 no. He said to Nehemiah, what do you need? Nehemiah said, I need this, I need that, I need this, I need that. I'm like, whoa, whoa. Now, if someone asks you today, what do you need to... Maybe you are building a house. What do you need? A lot of people can't tell. Why? Because you've not done your own work. You have to, while you are waiting on God and you are praying, you, you must do your own work. So when God opens the door, like to Nehemiah, you can seize the opportunity. So Nehemiah narrated everything he needed and the king gave Nehemiah, what he needed for the journey, even to the guards he needed for the journey. And Nehemiah started the work. Now, there were some detractors that tried to stop Nehemiah, but they failed. But you know, when, when your enemies try to stop you and they fail, they will try to delay you. So they tried to, to trick Nehemiah into some, some conversation. So they sent a message to Nehemiah. And if we pick it up from Nehemiah chapter 6 verse, verse 3, we'll see the word of God says that Nehemiah replied, I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am doing important work right now. Why, why should the work stop? while I come down to see you. So you see, when you see an open door, it was, an, it was, a, it was a door of, of opportunity to make friends with people that can help you in the community, so to speak. Because Samuel Tobias and the other guys, they were neighbors, but they were detractors. And a door opened for Nehemiah. A door of friendship opened. For Nehemiah. And Nehemiah said, No, I'm not going to take this door. It's a distraction. It's a distraction for me. So, a door may be an opportunity from God, a distraction from men, and it could be a trap from Satan. Matthew 16 23. Matthew 16, 23, the word of God says, Jesus said, get away from me, Satan, adversary. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are looking at things merely from a human viewpoint and not from God's. Many times, the enemy opens the door of a trap I've seen a lot of people lose their faith, shipwreck their faith by taking doors that it's merely a trap. Sometimes there are job opportunities, but it's a trap. It looks effortless, but it's a trap. Sometimes it's a, it's a marriage opportunity, but it's a trap. 
It looks attractive, but it's a trap. Sometimes it could be a direct negative door, but it's a trap nonetheless. Praise the name of the Lord. I pray that for those that have been in the trap of the enemy, that God will deliver you. For those that have taken doors of traps, trap doors, that God will set you free. For those that are staring at trap doors, that door will not open to you. In the mighty name of Jesus. So, what door is that before you? How do I tell whether it's an opportunity from God, a distraction from others, a trap of Satan? Simple, one word, discernment. That's it, discernment. Very quickly, number four, I need to know about doors. The fourth thing I need to know about is that sometimes God shuts a door for my protection. In the case of Noah, Genesis 7, 16, the word of God says, then God shut the door. God shut the door to prevent the flood from coming in. Some of us, you know, we, we are banging our heads against things that God himself has shut. You are worried. You are crying. I'm here to encourage you. Get up. It's okay. It is God that shut the door. You'll be fine. You'll be all right. Praise God. You know, a story of a man comes to mind. It was um, a GM of large organization based on some political maneuverings. He was fired. And when he was fired, obviously, I mean, he has a family. <laughs> He's, he, I mean, he was sad. He came to his pastor, not, not to me, his pastor, and, and he, he explained the situation. And the pastor looked at him and said, listen, sometimes God shuts a door so that it can open a better door. And the man believed in faith, you know. <laughs> and long story short, the competitor was hiring, and they hired him as the CEO. The competitor was bigger than the, comp the company was coming from. And in a short while, that competitor company acquired his company and another competing company, and he became this group CEO of the three companies. Now, if the door had not shut, and he was still GM or ED, by the time that competitor acquires them, what will it be? They'll just maybe send him out or maybe give him some merged role. Sometimes God shuts a door to protect you. You need to understand that. Also, number five, God will open doors for me if I open doors for others. I mean, this is big. There's a golden rule. What's, what's called the golden rule? Do unto others as, as what? As we want them to do unto you. Proverbs 11:25 says to us, anyone who generously blesses others will be generously blessed. And when you refresh others, you will be refreshed yourself. And that talks about your money. When you generously bless others, God, the God of heaven, says you will be generously blessed with your time. When you generously bless others, you give someone a listening ear, 
you pay attention. God says you will be generously blessed when you give your energy to people. When you generously bless others with your energy, God says you will be generously blessed. It will come back to you. When you generously bless others with praises, when you give compliments without reservation, some people are just stingy with praises. They are stingy with praises with their spouses. They are stingy with praises with their colleagues. Some people even spiritualize their, their stinginess. They say, oh, I don't want her to be arrogant, or I don't want her, him to be proud. That's not your business. Just be generous with the praise. Because when you open the doors of joy to others, God will open the doors of joy to you. When you're generous with your own, it's called hospitality. Some of us, we think, oh, we are in, in a different class. I cannot allow, I mean, refrafts to come and pay me a visit. You know, you have to be generous. I'm not saying, I mean, just let God lead you as you open your heart and your home to people. The richest man on earth at the time, Job, has this to say in Job 31, 32. Job says, and you listen to this, it's huge. He says, I have never turned away anyone, but I have opened my doors to everyone. That's the wealthiest man on earth. You see, there's a way, there's a connection between that and his wealth. He says, I have never turned away anyone. You know, I, I, I mean, I'm praying that I'll, I'll, I'll be in a place where I'll, uh, I will not turn away people. <laughs> you know, I'm growing. I'm, I'm, I'm being more hospitable. And I pray and I'm challenging you to be more hospitable. Open your doors. If you open your doors to others, God will open doors for you. Use your connections for other people you, without expecting anything in return. If I look at my life, my life has been so blessed because people open doors for me. I can tell you examples upon examples of how God uses, has used people to open doors for me. And that's why in my life, God has also used me to open doors for people. I don't even hold back. If I'm able to open a door for you, you can go to sleep. I'm going to open it. And if you're in God's favorite house, I've been opening doors for you anyway. I've been opening doors of revelation, doors of the word of God, doors of teaching, doors of relationships. I've been opening doors of the supernatural experiences in the Holy Ghost. I mean, those are doors I'm opening to you. So because I'm opening those doors to you by the grace of God, God is opening bigger doors for me. Praise the name of the Lord. That's how it works. Number six, sometimes, and this is big, sometimes God cracks open a door. It gives me a pinhole sneak peek into a door to give me a, a glimpse of my future long before I am ready to walk through it. There are doors I've walked into today that I picked into years ago, years ago, years ago, years ago. But, I, but God, God showed me, says, pick, pick into it, I pick into it. He says, can you see, what can you see? I say, ah, I can see that, I can see that. He says, you have seen well. Can I open it? He says, it's not your time. Come, come, continue learning, continue growing, and all that. Why does he do that? To inspire me to grow. There are things 
by the grace of God that I'm walking in today that God has shown me years ago. But those at the time he showed me, I, it was still a prayer point. It was a prayer point. I was still praying for it. I was still preparing for it. So God never shows us everything at once. He never. He shows us sneak peek. Why? For three reasons. Number one, he doesn't want to scare you to death. Because if he shows you everything, you will run away. What if he has shown the, Egyptian, uh, the Israelites everything? They would have run. In fact, the one they went to see, the spy, they said they couldn't go again. They just had a sneak peek. But I think they, they opened the door a little bit wider than they could handle. Because he doesn't want to scare you to death. Number one. Number two, why does he show us a sneak peek? Because he wants us close to him. He wants us to be dependent on him. So that we need him for every step. And number three, I mentioned that earlier on, so that we can be inspired to grow. I know that is where I am going. So I can prepare for where I am going. There are things that, yes, I'm walking in today that God showed me years ago. And there are things that God is showing me today that I know is for tomorrow. Guess what I'm doing today? I'm getting ready for it. Are you going to get ready for yours? Habakkuk chapter 2. Habakkuk 2 verse 3. This is God speaking. He says, the things that I am planning for you won't happen right away. But slowly, everyone say slowly. Steadily, everyone say steadily. Surely, everyone say surely. The time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, says do not despair. Don't despair. For these things will surely come to pass. Surely. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. Say amen. The God of heaven is saying, these promises will not be overdue a single day. It will not pass one day. And because, you know, we, don't, we can't wrap our minds around God, I mean, most of the time, we'll be, I mean, if not all the time, God is too big for us. And we think that God is limited. We think that God can't do what he has said he would do. <laughs> oh. God can do in five seconds what will take you 50 years to do. Five seconds. Five, five seconds more. Two seconds. Like that's <laughs> two seconds about God. Two seconds. Just two seconds. Mama Sarah conceived. Two seconds. God can do in two seconds what we cannot do, what you cannot do in 20 years. God can do in two seconds. In one second, he can do what you cannot do in 100 years. So if God says it will not, if we bring up that scripture, if God says that it will surely come to pass, just be patient. Then be patient. God is bigger. So a vision always has three parts. I we see from this scripture. A vision always has what? But the problem is many people, once they see what, they begin to run. Nah, 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 nah. You need, you, that's why they fail. Because you, after what, you need to know how. So, but many people, when they have what and how, they begin to run. Nah, 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 nah. That's why people fail. After what, how, then you need to know when. 
It is when you know what, how, and when that you can begin to run. And because God is God and we are not. Sometimes we, we struggle. Someone said to God that, oh God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I let you down, God. I let you down. I'm so sorry. And God answered him. And God said, You didn't let me down because you were not holding me up in the first place. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. I think we should give the Lord a big, 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 big. You, you were not holding me up in the first place. So <laughs> you were not holding me up. So many times he said, oh, oh, I, 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 God's plans, I, I, I didn't fulfill, I, uh, I, I scattered. You can't scatter God's plans. You can only replace yourself. You can't scatter God's, it is impossible. God's plans will come to pass. It is an honor to be a part of his plan. It's a privilege to be a part of his plans. God's plans will always, always come to pass. Three things, and we close. To get the best out of life, what are the three things? The first thing you need, and that is discernment. Discernment to know which doors to walk through, which doors not to walk through, knowing which door to walk past will change your life. Philippians 2, Philippians 1, sorry, 9 and 10 says, this is my prayer for you, that you will love, that your love will keep growing more and more with knowledge and greater discernment, so that you will grow in discernment, so that you will be able to make the right choices. So when you develop in discernment, you can live your best life when you develop, why? Because you know which doors to go through. You know which doors not to go through. You can make mistakes here and there, but if you are sincere, God will redirect your path. Discernment, you have discernment doesn't mean you are perfect in your decisions. And that's why God is God, and we are not. The second thing to have your best life now is courage. Courage to walk through the right doors. It's not enough to know the doors to walk through. You must have the courage to do it. And courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is actually doing the right things even though you are afraid. That is courage. It takes courage to ask for forgiveness. Do you know that? There are many of you who are here. You need to ask someone for forgiveness. It takes courage. I pray that you walk through that door of forgiveness and ask for forgiveness. Some of you need to ask for forgiveness for you to get to your next level. That is the, the door between you and your next level is for you to ask for forgiveness. It takes courage. It takes courage to offer forgiveness. For some of you, you need to offer forgiveness. It takes courage. It takes courage to offer forgiveness. It does. It does. Because sometimes when people wrong us, we just want to yeah, keep them in unforgiveness, thinking we are keeping them, not knowing that we are keeping ourselves in bondage. 1 Chronicles 28, verse 20. 1 Chronicles 28, 20. The word of God says that this is David's advice to Solomon. He says, be strong, my son. Be courageous and get to work. Many of us, we need to be strong and courageous and get to work. Don't be frightened by the size of the task. There are things before me today that I am, look, believe me or not, you know, some people have said that you, it's as if you are not afraid of anything. Do you ever know what it is to be afraid? And the truth is that 
while I don't worry about things, there are things that actually scare me. There are many things, this confession time now, many things that I do for God, huge, big things. I'm afraid doing them. But I do them anyway. The fact that you're feeling fair doesn't mean anything. You see, you have to be comfortable with it. As long as you're in the flesh, you will feel fair. It means nothing. Absolutely nothing. You move forward in spite of the fear. You move forward. There are territories we've taken today. We were, I was afraid. I'm like, okay, this fair. Okay, it's fair. I'm afraid. Okay, so what? So what? I'm afraid. If you bring up that scripture again, it says you need to be courageous and get to work. Sometimes you have to do some things afraid. I want to give you a secret, a huge secret to overcoming fear. Fear doesn't respond to logic. You know, the challenge is that many times we try to use logic and get ourselves to places where it will make sense. We can reason fear out of our lives. Fear doesn't respond to logic. The more logical you are, in fact, the more afraid you become. Fear does not respond to complaints. To complaints. You can grumble from now till tomorrow. Fear does not respond to complaints. There's only one thing that fear responds to. Some of you have never heard this before in your life. But if you think about it, you know it's true. There's only one thing that fear responds to. And that is action. That's the only thing fear responds to. is action. You're afraid of it? Take the step. Make the move. Question, what are you afraid of today? What are you afraid of today? One of the things that has robbed Christians of, of, of territories that God has for them is, is this. It's, it's this phrase, it's sometimes, it, I, I guess, you, you almost, if, you, if you've been with us for a while, you almost have never heard me say it. And that is, <laughs> I don't have peace. I don't feel peace. Hey, what does that mean? How can you feel peace in fear? You can't. On this side of the door, <laughs> you are not supposed to feel peace. Believe me. It is when you've crossed to the other side that is when you will have peace. Does God give us peace? Of course he does. But when you're about to make a major decision, when you are in the crunch, anyone that says to you that they are always peaceful is a lie. That has not been my experience. I've spoken to great men. I've sat under great men. That has not been their experience. You will, except the things you have been tackling are so small, then you're you always feeling peace. They're so small. You have to do many things afraid. Three things you need to do to, to get the best out of life. First, discernment. Second, courage. The third is, is huge, and that is generosity. You have to learn to open doors for others. You have to learn to open doors for others. How many people have gotten a job because of you? You have to learn to open doors for others. How many people have taken their business to the next level because of you? You have to learn to open doors for others. How many people have grown spiritually because of you? You have to learn to open doors for others. How many people have understood scriptures because of you? To get the best out of life, you have to learn to open doors for others. First Peter 4 9 says, Open your home <laughs> to others. Show hospitality without grumbling about it. 
each of you should use whatever gifts you have received from God to serve others. When you do these three things, you get the best out of life. And you may be there, and you're like, Pastor, I need to increase in discernment. I need to be courageous, and I need to be generous. The first step for you to be discerning is you need to be born of the Spirit. Why? Because whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit, and whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. You need to be born of the Spirit. You need to give your life to Jesus. Let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads. Some of us, we are here, you're like, Pastor, I need to be born of the Spirit. Whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit, and whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. Can, can you pray with me this morning? I need to learn how to discern. I need to have courage, and I need to have the generosity of God. Can you pray with me as you bow your heart and, and, and your heads, wherever you are, I just, just release your heart to God. Just say to the Lord, I release my heart to you. I surrender to you. There may be confusion everywhere. People left, right, and center don't know what to do. Governments don't know what to do. Institutions don't know what to do. But God knows what to do. Today is your time to surrender to God and end every kind of confusion in your life. So if you're like, Pastor, that is me, say to God, come into my heart. I release my spirit. I release my soul. I release my, my bodies to you. And, and so shall it be. Father, we pray for everyone that is surrendering to you today. We ask that you breathe upon them, Lord. Change these lives and let your name and your name be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' name.